Do you remember how to count? T-squared. 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 Okay, drum roll, please. Drum roll. Hey, where's the trumpet fanfare? Uh. <laughs> yes, boys and girls, at home and afar, welcome to season two of T-squared, a teaching and technology podcast. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. It's the start of the semester, and we had a summer here of time off away from the podcast. It's been so long since I've seen you. Well, actually, it was yesterday, yeah, but but yeah, we we've been places, we have done things, and uh, all things to talk about to start off this new season of T Squared. This is the coffee pot at work. Listen to it, Perk. I, I'm really looking forward to today. You know why? Why is that, Eric? Because we have coffee that I picked up personally from Florence, Italy. So you're telling me that the coffee that we're drinking today was personally delivered from Europe. It was. To the luxurious T-squared studios. <laughs> luxurious, yes. Excellent. Well, I, I have brewed up this coffee. Um, let me pour that out a second. Okay. Ah, uh, listen to that. It just even sounds Italian. You ready for my mug? Okay, I'm ready for yours. Here we go. Well, I don't, you, you've got some coffee in there. I don't know where that's from. Uh, it's probably just a little bit of water. Oh, okay. So you're, you're watering it down. <laughs> Hopefully not too much. So this coffee is from, oh, how, do I, how do I pronounce this? Dita Artigianale. Did I see it right? I, I think that's what Google told us. Yeah. See, here we're very scientific. We wanted to make sure we didn't offend anyone. So uh, we asked our friend Google Translate to help us out. Dittartigianale. Ooh, you sounded very nicely. I like your accent. What, what, what four languages do you speak? I, I had two years of German in high school. Okay. So See, I, I had French, so I'm slightly closer to being able to pronounce <laughs> this natively. I had a great time in, in Florence, Italy. I was also in Barcelona, Spain for a while. Uh, my son actually did a study abroad experience in Barcelona. So I, we took the opportunity as a family to travel over to Europe and see some sights. We had, a, we had a great time. Lucky. Yeah, I, I went on a trip too and almost thought about bringing back coffee, but you know, yours is far more impressive. So let's see. Um, Dita Artigianale is the name of the place where they roasted it. Um, this is the Jump Number 11 mm-hmm. blend with flavors of marzipan, caramel, and honey. So here we go, official taste test. Mm. Hmm. What are the notes here again? Marzipan, caramel, and honey. Hmm. Looks like it's a blend of Colombia coffee, Brazil, and Ethiopia. So, so we know that makes things complicated because that means we're crossing continents. We've got South America and Africa at the same time. It's a global kind of experience. Very smooth. I like it. Yeah, it's, I, I um, was just checking some darker of Darker roast. Yeah, a, a Not too darker. acidic, really. No, the, the beans, I mean, um, as I was pouring them out, I was noticing that they uh, they didn't look burnt, which is, of course, um, 
It's not good when your beans look burnt. Smelled really good. Uh, it tastes very good, too. Yeah. Um, once again, I don't know if I'm successful here tasting marzipan, um, honey, and caramel, but, you know, it's still good coffee. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, so now that we have a nice cup of hot coffee in our hands, uh, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. One of the exciting things at Grand Valley is that every fall we have a new faculty orientation and here in information technology, uh, e-learning, we are involved in that process of bringing new faculty on board. And one of the things we always do is we raffle off some prizes. And rather than um, do it on the spot, we decided to save this exciting, momentous occasion for the podcast. So I have sitting here um, on my floor five different prizes. Let's see. Uh, They're exciting prizes. They look nice. They, they all look like they can u- be used in teaching and learning. Eric, tell them what they could win. <laughs> so should I start with the grand prize or do you want to start at the... Oh, no. Work your way up. Okay. Well, you know, we have mobile devices, right? In our hands, in our pockets, in our bags, you know, that need power, right? Oh, yes. So the first prize that we want to give away here is a power brick or a what do you call these power portable power portable power supply yeah power supply power bank power something or other keeps you powered up and keeps you going keeps the teaching and learning happening you're making presumptions about what they're going to do with it but (laughs) do i do you want me to pick the the name or are you gonna you're gonna do it you're gonna mix them all um you know i'll hold the box and then you pull the uh, you pull the name okay and these these were faculty that attended new faculty orientation and went to five different sessions or something like that? I, I believe so. And as proof, they got our signatures. Okay. Um, so the winner of the power bank is, and once again, my apologies if I'm saying your name wrong. Uh, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is it's very unlikely that these random people are actually listening to our podcast. So <laughs> offense is, is minimal. And full transparency here, I pulled the name out, looked at it, and then I gave it to you. So yeah. you can you can do the honors. You did not then like you know switch it out. So um, <laughs> the power bank goes to Steve Dahlquist, who is new faculty in the Seidman College of Business in the marketing department. Congratulations, Steve. We are going to get this to you as soon as we can. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. And next up is next up a wireless presenter, which comes in handy while you're teaching. Now, what is a wireless presenter? Does this mean there's a person in that box that has no wires that will go in and do my presenting for me? Well, that might be cool. But this is a handheld device, battery-operated, that advances your slides, you know, as you're teaching. Uh, I don't know if this one has a laser pointer associated with it. That would be a bummer. I think they usually what's do. cooler than lasers and, wire- and the wireless presenter, right? I don't see that there's a laser pointer on Oof, this one. We bought the wrong oh, kind. This you know what? What? There is. Oh, okay. So you can use a laser pointer and point to specific points on your PowerPoint. Remember not to point at specific students. Lasers and eyes do not go well together. Okay. So the winner of this, uh, uh, did we seriously buy a known brand? It's, it's, it's kind of a generic brand. It's the generic made in China wireless presenter. But it I'm, goes to... I'm sure it will work just fine. Oh, yes. Uh, it goes to Michelle Troutman, who is new faculty in the chemistry department. Ooh. So congratulations, Michelle. I can imagine that could be very useful for you. Very nice. Very nice. Another prize that we have here as I reach over on the floor to pick it up. <laughs> I have a limited table space in my office. <laughs> is a Logitech... C920S Pro HD 
webcam. Oh, wow. So not only will you look good, you'll look HD good. HD quality. So you could use this to do live video conferencing, live office hours through Blackboard Collaborate. Great example, idea. Or any webinar that you, are, you, want to, you want to attend. It works with Skype, Google Hangouts, FaceTime for Mac, OBS, XSplit, and Blackboard Collaborate. I don't think it says collaborate on the box, does it? I added that in. I I figured. Okay, so the winner of the Logitech webcam will be... Is that a $20 bill in there? Oh, wait, no, sorry. I don't usually encourage bribery. Okay, so the winner is Ashley Glenn, who is... Well, that's a great question. Um, What department is MTD? I can Google it. MTD. Please do. Because she doesn't have her Grand Valley email address. Music, written down. theater, and dance. Oh, music, theater, and dance. So then the building abbreviation HCPA is probably, um, hmm. HCPA? Yeah. I'm going to have to edit out all of my ignorance here. The Haas Center for the Performing Arts? Is that what we're calling it? We have several new buildings or renovated buildings around campus here. So keeping up with the acronyms is a... Uh, It's a little difficult. Well, at any rate, Ashley, we will try to hunt you down wherever you might be and get you that webcam. You're right. It's the Haas Center for Performing Arts. Ding! Point for me. Oh, my gosh. You're awesome. That was really just a guess. Okay, next up. Two two prizes left here. We have an Echo Dot. Add Alexa to any room. Right? So this is your smart speaker, your fire field voice control speaker. Uh, Fire field voice control (laughs) speaker. My goodness. You have a little bit of familiarity with uh, this type of device. Yeah, no, I, I have a, one of these at home. You do, too. Yeah. I mean, we haven't bought hook, line, and sinker into the uh, smart speaker world, but we find ours to be useful for various things. And you also have coded technology around this, right? Yeah, I did. I did I did write some Alexa skills for the class that I teach, although the, the serv- the um, Survey is still out as to whether it's something that students are actually really that interested in. So I'm going to do a, another survey of my students in a, probably this week or next week to see sort of whether they actually do have a, uh, Echo or Google smart home devices. Because, you know, sometimes it's a question of we know what emerging technology is, but we don't necessarily know what emerging technology our students are using. Mm-hmm. So That's right. At any rate, so an Echo Dot, this is the third generation And the winner is... Uh, See, I'm lucky that you haven't pulled any where I struggle with the names. This is Joshua Bishop from Social Work. Congratulations, Josh. Uh, We will be getting this to you very soon. And the grand prize... Okay, the grand prize. See, most of these prizes, I can fit inside a mailing envelope and send it in campus mail. I can't can't do that for this one. This one's got a little size to it. This is a blue snowball ice... Plug and play USB microphone. No. It's actually the microphone that I'm talking well, about. Well, no, technically it's not. No? The, the Snowball Ice is different from the Snowball microphone, but I, I would, not that this is a sponsored endorsement or anything, but T Squared, the teaching and technology podcast, is in fact produced on blue microphones. Okay. So, so, are, you, so are you saying that I'm using a lower level, lower quality microphone here on this? No, microphone? yours is slightly higher quality than that. There's something about the blue snowball ice that's slightly different than the snowball regular. I think it has a fewer microphone detection patterns. Oh, like the cardoid, you know, kind of 
that t- sort of thing. Yeah, the, in other words, the little switch in the back of the microphone microphone that I never actually play around with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so we who's need the a winner slip. for this one. Mixing them up. Oh, one fell out. Drum roll. Okay, the winner is. Um, okay, you did it. Um, see, this is why I like not uh, teaching K twelve. Dealing with people's handwriting is like the biggest pain, <laughs> right? So um, I believe this person is Hannah Pankratz, Pankratz, um, who is from geology. So congratulations. Congratulations. I- I'm looking forward to lots of quality uh, geology-related audio yeah. produced with Podcast, this microphone. Mm-hmm. whatever, right? <laughs> and that concludes the awards portion of today's program. <laughs> So, um, first podcast of the of the school year, we took the opportunity to decide it was a good time to say this is the second season. So, uh, to, to kick off our second season, you know, I thought, Eric, maybe we should just take some time to, to look back a little bit and look ahead to the year coming up and, and see what's going on. Now, both of us, we worked throughout the summer. We, we played. I mean, you went to Europe. Mm-hmm. Not jealous, maybe. Um, uh, and you went to the lakeshore. Yeah, I went to the lakeshore. Had a beautiful week um, by the beach. But we did, over the course of the summer, still do work, still think about you know, topics at the intersection of teaching and technology. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, so um, thinking back, things you've read, the things you thought about, what did you learn this summer, Eric Cunnan? Well, that's nothing like putting me on the spot there, is it? Well, I turned to somebody else in the room, but... <laughs> I guess it is just you and me, huh? So over the summer... I can edit out your pauses. Yeah, thank you. I guess as I reflect back, I think one of the things that um, resonated with me is just this whole idea of the importance of technology as a way to help us deliver education in some new ways. So, and I think maybe part of this is influenced by some of the conversations I've had since our new president has started. So president... What? We have a new president? President Philly Mantella uh, has... We meaning Grand Valley State University for those listening at home. Yeah. Um, we just, you know, she's, she's started... Um, and hit the ground running asking, I think, uh, the right questions. And that is, you know, how do we how do we reach a new set of students that are currently not um, attending GVSU for whatever reason? Uh, how do we change up our curriculum and um, make it more flexible so that students can attend on maybe busy schedules or maybe they're full time uh, working? And how, how do we how do we kind of unbundle some of our our um, classes and courses and programs? and reassemble them them in some new ways. And so I I feel like technology is sort of at the center of that uh, because technology provides a lot of opportunities, not only just from a delivery standpoint, but as you know, Matt, because you're a specialist in this area, from an instructional design perspective, gives you a plethora of possibilities, shall we say, around the pedagogical approaches for teaching and learning. You need How's a few that? more P's in there. <laughs> a few more P's. So I, I'm most, I guess I'm most um, excited about the opportunities that uh, that technology can bring. And, you know, one of the things that we did do over the summer, too, is we sort of took a look at our, um, a lot of our technologies that we sort of, quote, call them enterprise technologies. That is, we've adopted them, we've provided them to faculty and students to use. Um, it's you know, it's part of our repertoire. Can I say that? Repertoire. Um, you can try to say our it. portfolio. Let's say uh, maybe that's a better way of saying it. 
Uh, and I, I, we kind of just took a step back to look at all of our technologies at a glance and kind of put them in some categories like content and video sharing, communication and collaboration, accessibility and universal design for learning, assessment and grading. So where, what, where, what, are the, what are the technologies that we currently have here and where do they fit in that area? And we created a little bit of a guide here just to give faculty, either new faculty that attended new faculty orientation or those that have been here for a while, just to give them a big picture of what are the tools that we have available, what are those tools that we support, and ultimately how can we provide and uh, provide that assistance to faculty and come alongside them and, uh, and, and guide them, coach them, teach them into using these technologies uh, to reach students. And that guide we can post, I think, in the show notes. Yeah, that would be great because we do have it on our e-learning website, right? That's right. And I, I realize that hopefully many of our listeners are not necessarily Grand Valley faculty. So not all of these um, products that we're talking about here are ones that you might have access to, but they're not necessarily Grand Valley proprietary. So, for example, um, Camtasia Studio uh, is a great tool for video editing. Um, I find that faculty frequently sort of get their appetite whetted uh, for doing video, and they'll use a tool, uh, for example, like the Panopto video tool that we have here, which makes it very easy to record video. Uh, of course, you know, once people start doing it, the next thing they want to do is they want to not just create it, they want to, you know, edit it or change it or, you know, do things to it. So, and that's, I mean, that's where you need to move into a slightly next level product like Camtasia Studio, which is a great, easy to use product, uh, not like, you know, sort of the hundred dollar products that you need to get in to do uh, really fancy film and TV video editing, but it's a great tool, easy to use for faculty. We've been using it here for quite a while. Um, but also, I mean, um, other things. Um, well, we have a new one that we added to the list too. I a, a year ago, we deployed Blackboard Ally for accessibility. And, yeah, we've and, talked and about Ally a lot. Education for that, um, but then we and then we also deployed Panopto and migrated from Ensemble Video to Panopto last year. But this summer, we ran a pilot of Lockdown Browser and Monitor, and that's resp- by Respondus. And we ran a pilot early in the in the summer there uh, to evaluate whether or not that was a, a good application for the support of our online proctoring needs for our um, distance education classes. Yeah, so I mean, to to catch the, the listeners in Podlandia up, uh, a lot of faculty when it comes to teaching hybrid, but especially online classes, uh, they have concerns about questions of academic integrity and wanting to make sure that when students complete work such as, you know, exams, that uh, that they can be fairly confident the students who are taking them are the students who are supposed to be taking them. And uh, up until, I mean, this moment, we really have not had a formal thing to offer here at Grand Valley. There are a lot of companies out there right now in this space offering technology and, you know, technology plus service kinds of solutions to this. Um, for example, there are companies out there where um, if you want to have proctoring for your online exams, you can sign up, have your students pay money, and somebody sitting in a call center somewhere uh, around the world will sit there and stare at them while they take their exam through their webcam, which is a a A little little odd. Yeah, a little (laughs) creepy. Um, We've pursued a slightly different product here at Grand Valley, Respondus Monitor, uh, does use the webcam to sort of keep track of students as they do work, 
but it then doesn't pass that on to like any person or anything except for the faculty member who receives a report which says hey you know here you know at minute three you might want to take a look at this because something is weird there's another person suddenly in the room right. or something so it's kind of the middle ground solution between having nothing and having a product that really sort of is all out um uh I don't even know what to call it, but so yeah, um, we have Respondus Monitor now, and so that was a new one we added to the yeah. list. Yeah, it was, you know. Now, so I mean, maybe um, maybe we should promise for a future episode of the podcast that we can talk through some of the issues related to using proctoring software like that. We had a, a meeting That'd recently. That'd be a great topic. Yeah, yeah um, and I'm just saying that self-interestedly because I volunteered to put together some training on that subject, right? Remember, this is a podcast about teaching and technology, not just technology. And making use of something like uh, webcam-based proctoring isn't just an about, hey, turn it on and suddenly, you know, your students will never cheat and everything will be perfect. Yeah. There are issues and actually, I mean, there are other considerations that come into play. So um, I think a theme that we'll talk about when we do that is universal design for learning because um, UDL has a lot to say about the question of uh, putting barriers in the way of students being able to learn and demonstrate their learning. Mm -hmm. And proctoring can bring up some issues, not just about like, you know, do they have technology that's new enough to use it, but things about how does the learning environment change when suddenly there is this proctoring element going on. So as, as well, as the university looks to put, you know, more courses online or in a hybrid format, uh, it takes a little bit of rethinking, right? So it's not, not about just taking a lecture, for example, recording two hours of that and then dropping it up online, putting it in Panopto and then linking to it in Blackboard. Please don't. Um, but I guess allowing you to not, not only just rethink how you deliver the content, but also rethink how you uh, evaluate and assess your students, right? And there's all sorts of ways of doing that, um, not just your standard high-stakes assessment, right? So yeah. having that opportunity of having that conversation with faculty is important um, to take a look at other unique ways of, um, of assessing students through whatever it is, um, authentic learning experiences, such as maybe creating a blog that they have to maybe write, you know, create their own WordPress blog, or maybe they have a, a video-based assignment that they have to submit to, or maybe they um, need to participate in a group activity and, and be responsible for producing some sort of product as a group. You know, those sorts of things that are, you know, provide some flexibility in, in the assessment techniques are, are important part of the conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we should do a UDL episode. Maybe we should hunt down somebody um, slightly more qualified than either of us that we can talk to um, to help us through that. So I'm not promising it to you, dear listeners, but maybe that will be something that will feature on this exciting season two of T-Squared. So, Matt, now it's your turn. What what did you pick up over the summer around new ideas around either technology or and or teaching? That's a great question. Um, and I feel like I had the perfect answer, which then just like entirely disappeared. Did I get you off track? Well, as the one who came up with the question, I really should have been prepared. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to kind of bunt on this one, I think, and just um, come back to what we just talked about, which is UDL. Um, you know, I've been doing a fair amount of reading this summer i've got a fall for me is always a time where i sort of get in some conference presentations so i've been doing some reading for uh things that i'll be presenting on later in the fall and i, I just started coming back both from stuff i was reading but also from some of the podcasts that i've been listening to back to the, the question of udl and uh, what it means to think about 
designing your learning environment in a way that really is is open and receptive to learners and yeah and actually i, I want to segue that into the other question which is not just thinking about what we learn but sort of know what we're looking forward to this year um and i'll go first so i can sort of keep this theme going here i'm going to make a confession so i've been teaching overall since 2003 my first class that I taught myself was winter of 2003 at the University of Minnesota. I had a couple of thinner patches in terms of teaching and in terms of whether I was full-time or not. And here at Grand Valley, I've been teaching since 2013 and then teaching online since, uh, what, 2015? Um, And basically I teach as much as I, in theory, am allowed to here at the university, basically a course each semester. And, And I'm going to admit that last year, last fall, last winter, I don't know. I feel like I was suffering a little bit of burnout, mm-hmm. a little bit of teaching burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that I didn't care about the subject matter. It wasn't that I had stopped caring about students. But I, I think just sort of the general everything altogether, workload, life, all that. Uh, I was finding that teaching was being that sort of that the extra thing that was just taking more time than I needed. And I wasn't finding the joy so something that you had to do versus something that you get to do. Well, but see, that's the funny thing because I don't have to. I mean, <laughs> now, right. <laughs> now two months, <clears throat> two months into the course, I have to do it right because I can't at that point back out. But but you know, every academic year, every semester, in theory, I have the chance to you know say yes, I want to keep going or I don't. Um, but yeah, it was it was becoming more more routine. I was finding that, you know, the things that I needed to do to teach effectively, at least in, in my conception of that, oh, it was hard to find the time to do it. Uh, for example, um, I teach basically online. I try to use video fairly extensively as a way for my students to see me, to know that I am not ironically pre-recorded, right? I mean, it's not like I've done all these videos, you know, two years ago and I'm just recycling them. I mean, I, I keep in touch. I make a video of the week. It's just, I was losing some of the joy of all that process. And I don't know, something about this summer. And it goes back to some of the stuff that I've been reading, some of the things I've been thinking about, about what teaching really is and and why it's important within our society. Uh, you know, I feel like I've got some of that flame back. Awesome. I, I'm Yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to this semester, which has started. Yesterday was the first day. Um, I've started watching some of my students' video introductions that I have them do using Flipgrid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I am ready to think past all the little minutia that goes into teaching, and especially teaching online, right? Have I, have I opened up this thing? Have I made this document properly accessible? Have yeah, I yeah. All, all those things that sure. get in the way? And I, I feel like I'm ready to sort of, you know, take students, take content, yeah. and just have a great semester. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. I mean, I think that I would imagine that's common among faculty. Oh, sure, right? sure. Um, and I, I kind of, when you were talking, I, I kind of went back to the presentation that you did last year at the Lilly Conference around, wasn't around like hospitality or kind of seeing students as a way of serving them or. I don't yes. Know, I, so yes. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just, I think sometimes you're right. I think a lot of faculty can get bogged down in, in all the grading details and, and getting things done uh, just at a sort of a clerical level, right? But, you know, having that big picture view of the importance of just touching students' lives and being there for them and helping them reach the next goal, uh, sometimes you can kind of forget about that. Um, there's so much There's so much that goes on when it comes to teaching, 
And sometimes it feels like teaching online adds a layer, adds some stuff, right? Because, like, you know, to get my semester going right, there's a lot I have to do to my Blackboard mm-hmm. course site that I don't necessarily have to do when I'm teaching face-to-face, right? Mm-hmm. To some extent, teaching online is like you have to physically build the classroom again, right? Luckily, our physical classrooms, we don't have to, you know, put the door into the wall. Right. We don't have to set up the, the chairs. Set up the chairs and paint the walls and all these things. And granted, I recycle so much effort from previous semesters, but there's still always stuff that you need to do but you know one of the things that i was just really reminded about this summer and i've you know i've come back to it over and over is that and this is i don't think i've ever actually said this on the podcast um but teaching does not exist there is no such thing as teaching explain explain okay okay i'm not trying to go deep dive into philosophy here but no this is something i've thought for several years there really is no such thing as teaching what there is is there's learning. Mm. I mean, if we're thinking about fundamental aspects of human existence, Mm -hmm. there are us, people, who have the ability to learn and gain knowledge and skills we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. That's right. Teaching, though, does not exist. So would you say teaching is facilitating learning? Well, I I think... Or is is that more of like learning has to be personal also, right? So you can't do the learning for someone else, right? You can't do the learning for your students, for example. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Terry Doyle, who uh, I forget if he still is at Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan, uh, but he's a frequent um, face at Lilly Conferences on Teaching and Learning. I mean, in his book, uh, one of his books, actually probably several of his books, he has said, um, he or she who does the work does the learning. Mm, Yeah. but so, I mean, when I say that, you know, there's no such thing as teaching, I'm thinking about, think about it. There's no such thing as darkness, right? There's just light. And then darkness exists because there is light. There's absence of light. Exactly. There's absence of light. And <laughs> that was a bad analogy, perhaps, because teaching is not the absence of learning. Um, <laughs> but teaching exists because learning exists, right? Um, there are some of us who happen to have accumulated more knowledge, more skills, in a relative sense, compared to others. And that puts us in a position where we can help, use the word that you did a moment ago, facilitate learning, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, don't get me started. We can talk a lot more about that. But, but that centrality, that centrality that learners are the heart of education. It's so easy to forget that. Mm-hmm. And and you feel people forgetting that when they talk about, you know, all the things they need to do to get ready for the semester, sure. yeah. even myself, right? All the little things I have to do to get my Blackboard site ready, all those things. And it really all boils down to the learner, right? And if what you're doing is, you know, not about helping create a situation in which people are able to learn, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, right, it's so easy, unfortunately, to find people in higher ed who talk so negatively about their students, mm-hmm. right? As if, you know, students were the one thing that, you know, keeps education from being enjoyable, right? You know, the thing you have to do, <laughs> right? And, at, you know, some types of schools, you know, research institutions, you know, sure. a lot of people do see teaching as the burden they have to do to get an opportunity to do research. But, you know, if that's the way you approach education, there's a problem because the learner is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if I say anything more, this podcast is suddenly going to be 90 minutes of just me going on and on. So, so, so But you're looking forward to this fall and winter of kind of just thinking about teaching a little bit differently then? And you mentioned universal design for learning as well. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I, I think that's a... That's a great perspective to help you focus on the centrality of the learner because it's universal design for 
learning. learning. It's not universal. And the learner is in there somewhere. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not universal design for teaching, right? <laughs> That's right. At, at any rate. So um, what are you looking forward to this fall? Well, you know, there's so much going on, right? But um, I, I think for this fall semester, uh, I think one of the focus areas that's important to me is, uh, and it's we've talked about it before on this podcast because we talked about Blackboard Ally and we talked about Panopto and the captioning that's available there is just this idea of inclusive education, again, for learners. But like, how do we, and actually relates to universal design for learning as well. Um, but focusing more specifically on accessibility. And the reason that that's for sort of front of mind for me is that I'm, um, our, our campus actually, uh, since adopting Blackboard Ally, um, has been continuing to roll that tool out and to inform oh, faculty. Rolling, rolling, rolling. And, uh, and we, are, we, are, we will be hosting uh, a Blackboard Ally tour here on Thursday, October 24th. So the Blackboard Ally team will be here They'll be delivering a, a half day of workshops on universal design for learning around Blackboard Ally, uh, all just to kind of capture and share their um, experiences around inclusive learning strategies for um, for accessibility. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I also am, I have the opportunity of presenting on, uh, what's the title here? I'm going to look it up. Uh, leveraging data-driven decision-making to drive student success, retention, and accessibility initiatives at the EDUCAUSE conference uh, in October as well. Which um, uh, which EDUCAUSE? Because they have flavors of EDUCAUSE, right? EDUCAUSE annual conference. Okay. It's in Chicago. So it's pretty local, about three hours right, drive. Uh, and so we're doing a, a joint session with the University of California, Berkeley, University of Kentucky, um, Grand Valley State University, of course, that's us, and then College of uh, Southern Nevada as well. So sort of a, a, a panel conversation around um, experiences, um, telling our stories at each of our institutions about how we're trying to move the needle, right, um, on accessibility and, um, and, you know, improving education through, through universal design for learning. So that's sort of been front of mind for me just because we have those initiatives coming up. And then just as we continue to... to to roll these tools out, like specifically Panopto and Blackboard Ally, you know, um, we we did uh, we were awarded a special projects GA, a graduate assistant. Uh, That's our, a big deal here at the university. Yeah. Uh, around this whole topic of accessibility as well, so it, um, having that GA also be in support of of, um, of both those applications will help us to um, provide more support resources to faculty, which is really what we want to do. We want to be there for faculty so that they are uh, able to uh, focus on connecting with their students and their content versus, you know, spending a lot of time on how do I tag this PDF or what do I have to do to caption my video? So we want to try to do what we can to provide support resources in that area. So that's on my mind. Excellent. Well, you know, I think that's a pretty good start to season two, don't you, Eric? I think it's great. I, I'm looking forward to this we're, in the, we're on the second day of the semester here. I know, <laughs> so I know. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing where we, where we can go with technology and with teaching and with learning uh, in this next semester. And yeah, so, and, and I'm excited too, very much so. So, um, you know, let's call that a wrap on episode one of season two of T-Squared, a teaching and technology podcast. Uh, see you next time, Eric. See you next time, Matt. Bye. Bye-bye.
Siri here. Alexa is still on summer vacation, so I'm filling in. T-Squared, a teaching and technology podcast, is a production of Grand Valley State University's e-learning and emerging technologies team. Our theme music is from Bill Ryan and the Grand Valley State University New Music Ensemble. So I haven't really listened to this podcast before, but I'm very excited about season two. This is one of those podcasts where they talk about unsolved crimes, right? T-squared.